Welcome, Nexus Church family online to our series we've entitled Win the Day. Now, this series is based off a very popular book by Mark Batterson by the same title. And really, it is our hope that we can use some of the tools he shared in his book on how you can live a victorious life. How do you get there? What does it mean? What does God have for you? It's my hope that over the course of these few weeks that we can examine that and help you to become all that God has for you. If you want more information about our church or would like to to come and visit us, you can go to nexuschurchmn.com and find all the information there. You can also Google search us, find us on Facebook at nexuschurchmn, and we would love to connect with you. Drop us a, a message, email us, and we will get back to you, and we will help you and encourage you as you walk with Jesus and connect to him and connect to others. Enjoy today's message. back nexus church family this week we are digging into kind of a a really gritty topic if you will Uh, that being of our character you see we so often when we talk about victorious life or success or winning the day we get this kind of wide variety of what does it mean to be a success what does it mean to win to be victorious And so we're going to talk about, really, what it matters in life. Now, we've talked a lot about, you know, how to to get to that place where we can be victorious, kind of the the ways or the, the rituals or the routines of how we do that, how we prioritize, what do we prioritize. But now we're going to be digging into more of the characteristics of truly who are you, what really matters is who you are, right? It's about, it's about what comes out of you, as Jesus would say, not what you put in or really not the production of what you do in your work or how you do at school or on the field. It's truly about who you are inside. So we're going to be looking at what really matters, what really matters in life? When, when you get to the end of your life and you look back and, and you look at who you were and what you did, what really matters? And so today, I just want to begin with this, this thought or this question of what is success to the wide variety of people that make up this planet Earth? What, is, what does it look like? What is success? And if you were to, to take a poll what would you think would be those top replies? I would assume that for most people, making money would be on the list, right? If you were doing Family Feud and you were to take the top responses, I'm guessing probably making money would be at the top, right? Right up there maybe would be growing up in, in a success ladder, you know, going up the ladder at work or in your uh, field, kind of being recognized. 
as an expert or really good at something, like getting promoted, making, making more money, going on more trips, uh, maybe becoming the best at a sport or a hobby, right? It just it really success is always getting better or, or becoming better than who you once were, right? In the CrossFit world, we don't necessarily compete against other people. We compete against ourselves. How can we become better than we were yesterday, right? And how can we encourage others to do the same? Which is a really good, I think, model of, of sport. It's not so much beating somebody else. It's becoming better than what you once were. But still, even that, and, and all of the rest, I wonder, what does that center around? Every single thing that we see most people look at as success revolves around ourselves, doesn't it? And, and unfortunately, I think what really is sad about having goals or feeling good about yourself, I think that the, the bad side of it or the dark side of it is the fact that personal success, when, when we get there and we arrive, eventually we pass on and that success dies with us. There's no successor when all you've been about is yourself. And how many companies, how many churches, how many nonprofits, how many families that when, when that person who is so successful passes on from this life to the next, it dies. There was nobody in line to carry it on. And I see this particularly so much in the nonprofit and in the church world is when that successful pastor moves on or that successful nonprofit leader moves on that organization hits rock bottom why because everything surrounded them it was a one man or woman show and that success dies personal success very rarely leads to lasting impact and that's really what we should be looking at as followers of Christ, what really matters when I die? What are the characteristics that, that I want to leave that will outlive me? That's what matters. What leaves a lasting impact? Well, as I was studying, I came across a sociological study that involved 50 people. Now, this may seem like that's a really small number, but this was of 95-year-olds and older. So the amount of 95-year-olds and older that you, can, that you can gather for a study really slims down the older you go, right? How many 95-plus-year-olds do you know? I don't know, honestly, any personally right now. And so when they were asked, what what would you change if you could do your life over again? What would you change? Put yourself into their shoes. If you were 
95 and looking back over your life and somebody asks you, what would you do different? What would your response be? Right where you're at now. This is a fascinating response that, that they gave. They said they would risk more. That's interesting. They would reflect more. And they would invest in what leaves a lasting impact. They would invest more in what outlives them. Fascinating. In fact, this falls in line a lot with when we talked about what, what are your three real main key things in your life that you really want to hone in on and prioritize and not let slip. This kind of goes hand in hand, doesn't it? And so today, I want to just step back for a moment and not really focus on what you value in this world, but really what matters in the kingdom of God. What does God's word say? In light of these responses, I think you'd be fascinated to see how much God actually speaks into these things that were listed by these individuals, these 50 individuals that I personally think are totally in line with what most people would respond anyway. What does the Bible say about risking more? Let's start there. I believe a, a better biblical word, word for risking more is truly generosity. Now, that's maybe not what you would think, but truly think about generosity. Giving away what you won't get back. That's what generosity is. That's the greatest risk anyone can give, right? Like, there's no guarantee you will ever get that back, at least worldly. That's how we think, right? But listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. I think he has a little different thought about generosity than what we think as humans. God thinks. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributes freely. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. That's a good word right there. That's from Psalm 112, verse 9, that he was quoting. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for in his indescribable gift. And Paul really summed up everything before he even got into it. Paul does that. 
<laughs> quite frequently. He'll say what he's about to say in a very short little summary, and then he will expand upon it afterwards. And right away in this passage, he says that those who sow generously will also reap generously. Now, this doesn't just necessarily mean, obviously, harm-related, right? This is, this is more than just uh, financially or giving financially. This, this is a lifestyle of generosity, and, and you see that throughout what he writes in this passage. It's not just about giving of your money, giving of yourself, giving in service, giving in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he came to take away our sins so we could have freedom and live with Christ forever when we pass from this earth, right? That's what we are to give generously. It's a powerful thought. Now, Jesus similarly said something like this in, in Luke 6, 38. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Let me tell you this very clearly. Generosity is a perceived risk. It is something that the enemy puts in our mind to make us think that if we give, we'll have to try to work harder to get more. It's not the way it works in God's kingdom. Over and over throughout scriptures, we see that when people were generous, when they gave without, without questioning, just out of obedience, God gave in return more than what they ever gave. Right? Generosity is a perceived risk, but yet... When we give generously, we unlock the doors. When we take that risk, in our minds it's a risk, we unlock something that, that we can't even fathom until we do it, until we find that obedience. So I encourage you, don't wait till you're 95 and you look back and you say, man, I wish I would have risked more. I would have given of myself more. As we said a few weeks back, man, the only way you get to experience more in your life is when you take that risk. You will fail, right? That's part of life. We'll make mistakes. We'll take risks, and it'll kick us in the butt. That should not keep us from getting back at it and doing it again because there's so much reward when you give. So take that risk. In fact, in God's kingdom, I think it would be reversed. It's a risk to not be generous, to not give of yourself. Because your generosity will not just bring blessing to you in the future, it will bring blessing to you today. So back to our, our study of these 95 plus year olds. Their second response, which I find so beautiful is reflection or prayer they would they would have spent more time in reflection i think this is so important because whenever you take a risk there is something to be learned from it right when you give of yourself whether it's financially or physically or emotionally or relationally when you give there will be moments or opportunities to learn and to grow 
Growth, as I said before, cannot happen without taking a risk. And when we take that risk, when we step out and we make those bold decisions to do something that God put in our heart, that God, God laid out in front of us, when we do that, there will be a time where we need to step back and reflect. It is something that, that has been really beautifully taught to me in my master's program that I've went through, is that when, whenever we do study and we need to step back and we need to process, what have we just learned? And is it something that maybe I need to apply in my own personal life? And if not, where are the weaknesses? Where are the flaws? It goes to the practical side, too. You don't need to be in, in some college class to take time and reflect. And I know people are busy. Schedules are overwhelmed. There's always something that comes up that the enemy puts in our way, again, to rob us of reflection. He wants to rob us of the joy of giving of ourselves. And he wants to rob us of the freedom that we experience when we take a step back and we reflect. These are so, so, so on attack against us today. He knows that when we are generous, God gives blessing. He knows that when that when we spend time in reflection and processing and, and, and taking a step back to grow and learn, that we get better, that we connect more with God, we understand ourselves more, we get a handle on our surroundings, and we become more powerful and effective for God's kingdom, for his use. Prayer is so crucial. It is truly how we how we internally get a grasp of ourselves and our surroundings and our connection with God and others. Mark Batterson put it this way in his book that our series is titled from. He said, the greatest tragedy in life is that prayers go unanswered because they go unasked. Right? That's part of reflection. Spending time reflecting, thinking, where am I? What am I doing? And then putting out there to God, I'm struggling. I have questions. Things don't make sense. And maybe he doesn't reply back to you right away. But I guarantee you, he answers prayer. Maybe not in our timeline. And that's where, that's where it gets so gray and people get so frustrated. Is Why, God, didn't you answer my prayers when I gave them out to you? Why did you allow me to go through this? And Sometimes the answers don't come right away, and we need to be patient. I encourage you, don't give up reflecting and praying. He will answer his prayers. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 4, 6. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Give him glory. Thank him. Talk to him. My favorite verse, this is a beautiful passage that I encourage you to, to get out your Bible and highlight it, whether it's on your phone digitally or you're reading it right now in front of you. Highlight this passage, Jeremiah 33, 3. How beautiful it is. He says, call to me and I will answer you. I'll tell you marvelous and wondrous things that you can never figure out on your own. God will speak to you. He will. Take the time, process, let him speak to you. 
I want to ask you this question. How would your life be different if you would slow down and dedicate every day a moment of reflection to God? Maybe that's at the beginning of the day because you know your life will just be out of control and you'll forget about it. Maybe it's at the end of the day because you know you need to stop and process. Reflect. Take that risk. Take that moment of reflection and learn. Friends, these, these, these three things that I'm telling you today can be so life-changing if we were to practice them. Learn from the sages. What would they do differently? Lastly, they said they would invest more in what leaves a lasting impact. Now, I think maybe a better way of saying it is how do we leave a legacy? Legacy is a, a word that's overused sometimes and maybe a little misunderstood because of its overuse. But it's truly what outlives us. What, wh what are we going to invest in that when we pass on and 20 years down the road when when people think about us or show a picture or somebody says, remember who that was? They're going to know you for it. What is it? What, what makes a difference? Listen to what Paul said to his protege in 2 Timothy 2.2. What you have heard from me in this presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. See, at the core of legacy is continuing on what has been passed down for the last 2,000 years from Jesus to his apostles, his disciples, down to the next generation and then the next generation. It continues to be poured down. It's exactly what Jesus said when, when he left this earth, right? Go around the world. Tell people, teach people what I have given you. Continue on what I've modeled. Continue it on. There's a perfect passage found in John 17 where Jesus is now praying to the Father. And he's asking him to protect his people, to, to, to help them continue on in the faith. Because he's about to be murdered, right? He's about to be put on the cross and killed. And so he's telling the Father, I have revealed your name. This is in John 17, 6. To the people you gave me. From the world, right? The, the disciples. I've taught them. I've been with them every single day. They've seen the miracles. They've heard me teach those hard things. I've had relationships with them. I've, I've challenged them. I've corrected them. I've rebuked them. I've loved them. I've forgiven them. I've done all this. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. They know everything. That's amazing. Because I have given them the words you gave me. They have received them. So not only do they know them, but they actually believe them. They receive them. It took them three years to be like, come on, guys, get it, get it. And they're like, ah, nope, I don't get it. And they've messed up, but now they get it because they've received it. It's taken them three years, but they've received it. And have known for certain that I came from you. They have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me. 
He does pray for the world after this, but right now he's just talking to the Father about his disciples that he is mentoring, that is going to continue his legacy. Everything I have is yours, and everything you have is mine, and I'm glorified in them. I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them. Right? He's asking, okay, now will you protect them? I've done everything. I've taught them. I've prepared them. Now will you protect them by your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I was protecting them by your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them is lost except the son of destruction. Of course, that being Judas. So the scriptures may be fulfilled. Now I'm coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have joy completed in them. Right now he's praying that they would have complete joy, which includes obviously peace. I've given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. I'm not praying that you take them out of this world, but you protect them from the evil one. Right? Jesus is very clear. He wants this message to continue. If God were to remove them, everything that Jesus came to do would be nullified. There would be nobody to continue carrying on the message of salvation. The good news of Jesus. They are not of this world. It says, I am not of this world. Sanctify them. Now he's praying that he would be sanctifying them, right? Protecting them, bringing joy and peace in them, but also continuing to, what is sanctify? Set them apart. Continue to develop holiness in their life. Continue to help them understand how to live properly. It's a powerful statement. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. So Jesus sacrificed his life daily for them, taught them, poured into them, set an example, and now he is releasing them to continue the work that he started. Friends, I want to be so clear for you today. That is your purpose. That is my purpose. Anybody who calls on the name of Jesus has one job to do on this earth. Ultimately, it's to continue to create followers of Jesus. That will continue to create followers of Jesus. That is what he left his disciples to do. And they did it. And their disciples did it. And continued on and on until you and I stand here today with that same job over us to make followers of Jesus that would make followers of Jesus. You want to make a lasting impact? You want to be successful? Friends, stop listening to what Everybody else is screaming at you to do. It's not about making more money. It's not about working longer or harder at the job, rising up the ladder. It's not, it's not about amassing a huge following and getting, getting all these followers to like your posts and whatever else. That's not what life is all about. 
Because someday you're going to be old and you won't have a crowd following you anymore. You'll be left alone. And if all you were about is yourself, nobody will give a rip about you anymore. Because everything that surrounded you will have fall eventually. You can't be the top of the ladder when you're 95 years old anymore. It doesn't work. Your mind isn't as sharp as somebody who is 45 or 35 or 25. It is part of life. Stop believing the lie that more is better because sooner or later you can't do it anymore and you will have to face the fact that I am done. That's not the place you want to be. You want to be in a place that after 50 years of pouring into other people, people love you, adore you, think amazing things about you and talk about you in an amazing way because you weren't about yourself. You were about propelling them to success. And you were teaching them not, not to be about themselves, but to help others become successful friends. That is where joy is found. Joy is found when you can say, that person is where they're at because I championed them. I poured into them. It was hard. They failed a lot. They tried me. I was about done with them at times. I had enough of them and their irresponsibility, their immaturity. I was done, but I did not give up on them. And now here they are pouring into other people, not being about themselves, but caring, loving Wanting the best for others. Friends, it's not about how much you have. It's about what you've done with what you have to make the world around you about spreading the love of Jesus and caring about others. So will you, as our 95-year-old friends alluded to, will you give more? Will you risk more? Give it out. Stop being about yourself. Give it out. Will you spend time with God in reflection? Will you step back from the craziness? Ask God, what, what do you have? What do you want me to do? And will you give me the strength to do it? Because on my own, I am selfish. I'm just like somebody down the road who doesn't know Jesus. I struggle with thinking about others. I struggle with not being self-focused and wanting to be better than anybody else. Like, that's, that's who I am. It's part of the sinful nature that God is working out in me. But being intentional and constantly reflecting every day, God, where is it today that I need to stop being about myself? I'll be the first to admit I fail at the times. And then, what is really what matters? I'm telling you, if Jesus had 12 followers that he poured into, I'd be, I'd be just happy if I could be half that. Right? And the world would say, you're a fool. You have six followers? Like, Kanye has 6.6 .6 million followers. What the world are you? <laughs> you're, 
I mean, not to bash Kanye or anybody like him, but how many of those followers are really truly touched by him? I don't know. The reality is the more followers you have, the less influence you truly have in their personal lives. But if you're spending days, maybe even hours every day, with individuals talking to them, praying with them, encouraging them, challenging them, then you're going to have an impact on their lives. And so would you spend time today and reflect on these three things? How can I give of myself? How can I risk more, give more, reach out more? Where can I find time to reflect more? And am I investing in what truly matters? There are people in my life that I'm walking with, making a difference in their life. I mean, if you have kids, I guarantee you that you have the opportunity right in front of you every day. Don't waste it. They're worth it. They will continue what you begin. They're going to stand on your shoulders and go as far as you will propel them off the starting gate. So invest wisely. Don't spread yourself out thin, because the more you spread yourself out, the less impactful you'll be. If all you need or all you can handle is one right now, do it to the best of your ability. That's what matters. That's where we'll create a lasting Start there and build from there. You're not a failure if that's all you can do. Do it well. So, Father, I pray for every person listening today. Father, I pray that they would, they would stop <laughs> taking things for themselves, looking at what they can amass or do or become or gain. Not that money or success is bad, but that will really truly reflect on what matters and put our efforts toward what will truly leave a lasting impact. That we'll invest wisely and that we'll ultimately slow down and listen. What do you have? Help us to be obedient to what you put on our hearts, God. That's truly the bottom line of what we need to do. Speak in Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for joining us, Northwest family, and we'll see you again next week.